Good morning, I'm Pastor Dave again. This is Renew Church, and we're continuing our series on prayers in the Bible, and our fourth week in the Lord's Prayer, as found in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, I just wanted to apologize a little bit if the text during on the, on the screen uh, is a little bit small this week. It's because we're moving to a new software, and we're still working out um, some of the ins and outs of that, uh, formatting and stuff. So moving the PowerPoint to ProPresenter can present some challenges, but I think ultimately it's gonna be a grand old time. It'll be great. So we're gonna get that text bigger for you guys. And, uh, and looking good. But uh, this week we're gonna focus in on forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for community and the ways that you shape us and form us through your people. And also you shape us and form us through your word. Help us to be receptive, massage our hearts um, so that your spirit can come and do a work, plant a seed today. In your name, amen. amen. So when I was uh, yesterday, Janice came up to me and uh, she had one of our bowls. We, uh, we registered for these bowls when we got married, so it's been a long, long time. I think we've been married 15 years, 16 years. Uh, and it was broken, two pieces. And she said, guess what? Cammie broke this bowl, but she didn't say anything, right? She was trying to hide it. And finally, the way she brought it up to me, this is Janice talking, is she said, do we have enough bowls? Right? And it was really funny. And so Janice was like, what do you mean do we have enough bowls? And finally, Cammie pointed out that she had dropped the bowl and it had broken, the ceramic bowl, and it had broken. And it was just funny because, you know, Isaiah's always been a kid to, you know, be honest and upfront, right? And just bring, something happens, he brings it up. He breaks a rule. We know Isaiah's never going to lie. But Cammy, even from an earlier age, she would just outright say, no, I didn't do it. Or she would hide things, just like our dog Edie. We know Edie's like either made an accident in the house or she's like in a corner somewhere shivering, right? Because she knows she's going to be in trouble or looking guilty. Cammy's will be looking guilty, but she won't. She'll hide what she does, right? So we have to, we kind we of have to be on a watch for her, and I think she's gonna be a lot of trouble when she's a teenager, when she grows up. Um, but good thing I have the eye, right? I know something's up. Actually, that's Janice. Um, but so, we tend to hide things, right? When, so, when things are not good in our life, or we're kinda living, we're doing shady things, or uh, some of the, some of the, our deepest, darkest kind of vices or things that we struggle with, we don't always, and maybe for a good, for a good reason, we don't always broadcast those, right? Hey, I, I struggle with lust, right? Or I struggle with jealousy and thinking other people uh, are, are punks and jerks. Or I struggle with wanting to punch people out. We don't broadcast those things because we want to put on a veneer of positiveness. I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I don't struggle all the time. And so when we struggle, we tend to struggle 
alone, in isolation, in the dark corners. Or we tend to hide or habitually cover up small mistakes. There was a time when I was pulling into a parking lot and I was in a van, a rental van, and the back of the van was a little slightly wider, right? And so as I was turning, the back just nipped the bump, bumper of the, of the car. Uh, and uh, the temptation, what do you think I felt when that happened? Like, oh man, there was no dent in the van, it just kind of popped back out, but there was like this mark, the bumper uh, of the other car, or like the fender kind of got bumped in. And what do you think that I felt? I was like, I can just walk away now. I'm just gonna pull back out of this parking spot and go park somewhere else. That was the temptation to hide it. But instead, my guilty conscience made me write a note. Hello, da 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 da. I ran into your car. Here's my contact info. Here's my number, and put it on the windshield. Um, luckily, it rained really hard that day. And I never got a phone call, so, <laughs> right? God covered me. Because, of, because I was honest, God covered me. And that, that's how I interpreted that situation. <laughs> but we have to understand, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, there are a lot of things that, in context that we have to point out. And the first thing, not the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. The first thing is the Lord's Prayer is embedded in the greater Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, where Jesus is in one of his longest discourse, his longest teaching in one sitting to the people. And the Sermon on the Mount is really famous because it's really straightforward ethical teaching from Jesus, right? Do this, live like this. Your heart, should, when you give, you should do like this. When you forgive, you should forgive like this. When you fast, you should fast like this and not like this. And the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most famous teachings, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Basically laying out what it looks like for us to live as kingdom people. What it means to... Um, inside our hearts, both inside our hearts and ethically and morally, out there. And so Jesus is giving these teachings, and embedded in this is him teaching his disciples how they should pray. But in the next slide, in the prayer, we see some of the, the last three weeks that we've gone through. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And the first thing that I wanted to point out is our Father, our, plural. Give us, give us, plural, today your daily bread. That as Jesus is teaching about prayer, when you pray, pray like this. Inherently in prayer is community, right? It doesn't say, my Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Give me my bread today. It doesn't say this. It says, give us our daily bread, our Father. So what we can glean from that is when you pray, you pray in community. And so as Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, no doubt he's saying the disciples 
And everyone out there, the followers, are thinking, how can we live like this? How can we live with this standard in mind, with the standard that Jesus is laying out for kingdom people? How can I do this? And right in the middle, and there's many commentators who believe that the Lord's Prayer is the pivot point, is the center of the Sermon on the Mount. Others think it's the Beatitudes, but some think it's the Lord's Prayer. And that would mean that prayer and corporate communal prayer is at the center of living our lives as Jesus is preaching. Amen? That prayer is at the center of this. And that when we pray, we don't pray alone or in isolation. We pray together in community. I would say 90% of the time that I pray, I pray in isolation and alone, right? And 90% of what I pray for is, God, give me this. God, help me with this. And then 50% of that is, God, forgive me for this. Don't, don't throw me in hell. Like, sorry, I did this. I road raged again. Sorry, 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 sorry. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And when I grew up, I used to think, you know, you have to pray for forgiveness. And I used to stress out being the perfectionist. I had to list every time that I sinned and pray for forgiveness for everything I sinned about. Anyone else do that? Like, I thought, you have to pray for every single sin. And if you miss one, then there's a dark mark in there, and you'll never get to go to heaven because you never covered it by asking for forgiveness. What if I forget? Right? What if I miss one? What if I did something and didn't think it was a sin, but actually God thought it was a sin? So we'd have the spiritual anxiety and perfectionism, praying like, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, and forgive me for forgetting for the things I need to ask for forgiveness about. Right? Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And we do these things alone, and we stress out about it. Right? And I think for us, sin and shadiness are left in the shadows, right? And the aloneness, we wrestle with it, and we struggle with it. And even how we ask for forgiveness and pray about our shortcomings um, become a source of anxious works, right? Rather than uh, a practice of faith. And prayer is a practice of faith, right? Even wanting to pray, even knowing how to pray, the Holy Spirit and Jesus helps us to pray. And also, community helps us to pray. And community helps us to get through the things that we need to get through, not alone. I think a lot of the struggles that the church and Christian men in particular have with sexuality. I mean, the world struggles with their sexuality. But I think more so Christian men is because there isn't a place. It's always been alone in the corner, in isolation, hidden, where we wrestle, you know, with our struggles. And then we read the Bible and it says, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, right? If you... I, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But if you even look at, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, if you even look at your neighbor's wife with lust, right, that's adultery. 
And so you have this Judeo-Christian ethic of don't have desire, don't look with lust, don't struggle with this, don't struggle with this. We don't know where to take that or who to say it to. And we're like, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, for the other day, the other night when I was alone and I struggled. Oh, I struggled again. Oh, I struggled again. And it's, we deal with it and it brings us down each time we've messed up. This time, God, I'll break the cycle. This time, I won't do it again. This time, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And we're bound down. And instead of the good gift, and this is just an example that sexuality should be in our lives, it becomes this heavy rock on top of our, on top of our shoulders, weighing us down, and we're not free in our expression of that. Are you with me, church? God wants freedom for us. God wants to deliver us, not put us in the mire of guilt and shame. Right? The evil one wants us to be anchored down by shame and darkness. The evil one wants to paralyze us with fear. God wants to set us free. So if you can hit the next slide. So here's our section today. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, you see here the plural. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Once again, it's a, it's a prayer of the church. The second thing that I wanted to point out is this, the first part, forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a connection there, a natural connection between our own forgiveness, God forgiving us, receiving forgiveness, and our giving of forgiveness, right? You've heard the parables, Jesus told a parable saying, you know, uh, a master came, called his servant, and said, how much do you owe me? I owe you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, translated. Right? You're forgiven. This, this servant then goes to people who owed him money and like is mean to them. It's like he takes a bat, breaks their knees like a loan shark. You better pay me. You better pay me now! And that servant is punished. Because have you, if you really know the grace of forgiveness and having your debts forgiven, what does that do? It frees it and opens up your heart. When you're truly forgiven, it makes it so that you want to extend forgiveness to other people. And that's why Jesus says, she who is forgiven much loves much. And he, she, and he who loves much is forgiven much. And he, she who is who's forgiven little loves little. And he who loves little is forgiven little. Right? If we are touched by grace, we understand what it means to forgive. If we have been forgiven, we're able to extend forgiveness. Also, when we practice the discipline of forgiving others, we're more able to receive forgiveness for ourselves because we're working under another system, 
right? We're working under God's system of grace and not our own system of you owe me, right? Payback, eye for an eye, teeth for a tooth. But we're walking the extra mile. Again, the Sermon on the Mount. So forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven other people. We need to receive the grace of God in our lives. We need to receive the grace of God in our lives. I think that is such a hard lesson. It's easy to say, grace, grace, but it's hard to do. Especially if you're me and grew up in an immigrant Korean home where it's like, study, study, straight A's. You know, sit straight, look good, be the best. Be the best at what you do, right? And as much as Jesus has changed my heart, you know, and transformed me into this loving, gracious pastor that's countercultural, right? And I've escaped the chains of the sins of the Father and my cultural things. When Isaiah plays soccer on Saturday, I still am like, you need to be the best. You need to practice your saxophone so you can be the best junior high saxophone player and you better get straight A's so you can be the best, best, best. No. <laughs> right? And I know I'm like, I need to be like those like progressive parents that are like, be, express yourself. You know, be who you are, be who God made you to be and whatever happens, you know, it's okay, right? There's no winners and losers. You're just okay. No, there are winners in life. <laughs> there are winners in life. But then, uh, the other day, Isaiah was all stressed out. And he was like, I don't want to be one of those people that never make it to college and don't get a good job and end up in the alleyway and really poor. I'm like, where did he get such thoughts? <laughs> So these kind of things are internalized in us, right? Our own systems, our own economics. And in the Sermon on the Now, Jesus is preaching a new economics, an economics of the kingdom. And the key to us being transformed into living into people who can live into the economy of the kingdom is the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Live into the system of grace. Lay aside the perfectionism. Right? Lay aside the need to fill up your resumes. Lay aside the need to make up for your lack. And just let go and let God. And then extend that same grace to people around you. Are you with me, church? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's God who leads us. It's God who delivers us. You can't do it alone. You can't go and just will yourself to fight the evil one. You can't will yourself to change your ways. You can't will yourself to not sin and not mess up. The more you will, 
the worse it'll get. And maybe on January 1st, we make New Year's resolutions and we're like, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop eating so much sugar. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And for six weeks, we do a good job. For the rest of the year, we got worse, right? It never works to will yourself. We need a leader. We need a deliverer. Because like I said a couple weeks ago, it's a war out there. It's a war out there and we need to see the bigger picture. So I was talking to another pastor the other day and he talked about a, a shooting chart in basketball. You guys know what a shooting chart is? Like, uh, they'll show this on NBC, like basketball, right? What's his name? Steph Curry, where he shot from. And like the last five games, where he shot from. And there'll be a cluster of dots here, cluster of dots on the baseline, cluster of dots on the top of the key, and like the percentage, right? Of, uh, how, how many shots, the percentage of shots he made in the cluster. And what that shows you is his pattern of shooting, where he likes to take his shots, right? And how accurate is he in that position? There's the same thing with a, it's a spray chart for a baseball, where, where a person tends to hit, opposite field, up the middle, where they hit their home runs. And then a pitching chart, like where the pitcher, are they pitching inside on a right-hander, they're pitching outside, low and away, and using these analytics, people can be like, oh, here are tendencies. And so where there's a cluster, we go away from that, right? Or we go to the cluster of weakness. And the problem with us is we're dealing with the evil one who's the ultimate sabermetrician. You know sabermetrics? Using the analytics? Satan is the ultimate Right? Analytics guy. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our spray chart. He knows our shooting chart. Like where we tend to stumble and what situations we tend to cope. Right? And he hits those points strategically. Right? He hits those points strategically. We, on the other hand, think of things in terms of a laundry list, right? Oh, I sinned in this, forgive me God. I sinned right here, forgive me God. I sit right here, forgive me God, right? Make sure our, our thing is clear, right? Our list is clear. And so we never fight with strategy, right? What if you did a journal and did a spray chart for my shortcomings, a spray chart for the places that I tend to stumble and when I tend to stumble? When I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and this is one, one mentor used to say to me, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. What do you do when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? And listing those things really helps. Like, yeah, I eat, I get angry on the highway, and I turn to this. And, and creating a spiritual spray chart to see, oh, these are my points of weaknesses. These are where I'm led into temptation. This is my, these are my Achilles heel. And to be prepared in that, not by going, I will 
do it. Or putting a bubble around you. I'm gonna be bubble man, bubble buddy, and never come into temptation. Right? But being in prayer, God, lead me not into to temptation. Deliver me. I can't do this on my own. I know when Janice is away on a trip to a conference, I'm gonna get hit, right? I know that's gonna happen. So what I need to do is I need to pray. God, lead me not into temptation. And I need to call up my other brothers and pray together. I need to be in community and share those things. Lord, help us, right? Forgive us, lead us. Forgive us and lead us. Community and prayer and prayer and community helps us. And thinking more strategically that there is a cosmic battle, that there is an evil one that's hitting our weak spots. Being aware that we can't do it we can't save ourselves just by willing things or making resolutions. But we need to pray and we need to pray together. So, I have this. Did you guys grab a rock? A stone? So what we're going to do, we're going to have a time of reflection. Where are the places that you feel um, you're being led astray. Where are the places that you're struggling right now with sin? Um, and to, to kind of name those, to be able to name that, name those things or name that thing and just put it, focus it in on that rock. The rock is the, the symbol of those things or that thing. And meditate on that. Ask God to take that from you. Like, hold it in your palm. Say, take this from me. Deliver me from this. Lead me away from this right now. And we'll take maybe a, a few minutes in silence to do that. You can have some music. There's also a basket up here. So when you're ready or you feel you're ready to come and throw your stone in the basket.